Another episode of I Saw You Like This. You are here with Annabelle and Davita. Yay! And today we will be talking about drum roll. <laughs> that went on so long. <laughs> White saviorism. Yay! 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 No, maybe not yay. Yay! Okay. Yay is my default. I'll turn that down. <laughs> yeah so we are talking about white saviorism today the reason that we're going to talk about this is actually kind of funny we bonded over this account called no white saviorism no white saviors at no white White saviors Saviors. Mm -hmm. and that has been like just one of the funniest ways that like our friendship has been cemented i think Mm. um we just like see all these annoying things and you're just like nah why (laughs) yeah it definitely started with Kavita sharing things on her story and I was like what and then I was like I'm gonna share them and then from there we just our friendship blossomed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it has so I'll quickly just explain what white saviorism is for anyone who may not know so the white savior complex is basically when somebody Typically, a white person travels to a non-white community and tries to assist them, but in a very self-serving manner. So a really prime example of that is like when we see um, like celebrities that are like posing in, in these like countries where it's like in a, in a village and they're like, oh my God, mm. I love I love me some black babies. I helped build a well. Mm. In that exact tone. Yeah, yeah. And it's all kind of done in this, like, under the guise of, like, being, oh, I'm so good. Like, I'm spreading light and love and laughter. Look at but, me. I'm a, such a charitable person. I'm so wonderful. <laughs> exactly. But the problem is that a lot of the time you're removing people's agency when you're trying to help them, you're not asking like, how can I help? Or you're not actually like wanting to do something for the betterment of something or of a community. You're doing it because it makes you look better. And then Mm. you like post your pictures on social media and you're like, "Mm, mm." yeah. And then that's it. They do their, they do their small part and then they, they leave and they probably never help again or never come back. Yeah. And it's so like tied into like feeding your own ego Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's never really about how to actually help that community. Yes. And I think that's part of the problem because often um, not much research would have gone into it. They probably, um, in a lot of cases, people just find try and find the biggest organization or charity, which is not necessarily the best one, mm-hmm. and be like, oh, well, I went with these people and then I donated X amount of money and we've done this, that and the other. And you're like, okay, well, actually, like, have you asked where that money's going have you have you actually gone to are you able to see 
who that has helped when it helped them like what they're doing now sort of thing have you followed the money trail because that's I think so important often people just donate money to these these charities that are um, the main beneficiaries of white saviorism um, and actually that money's not going to the people that it claims to help mm. um, it's going well into the pockets of the people who run the organizations yeah and then like a small percentage will be mm-hmm. actually shared to the people who it claims to serve um, so the thing that we saw this week that has kind of like sparked why we decided to talk about this has been the, um, I don't know, on so on the No White Saviors page, there is this video that I think has also been circulated across social media at the moment. There's this white woman and she's moved to this, um, she's moved into like a black community in somewhere in New York. And there is a, <clears throat> there's a kid that was like playing because they don't re- in in these parts of like super urban areas like there aren't always green spaces so this kid's like just literally like playing on um on the sidewalk and this woman like starts shouting at him and then so some of the other community members are like why are you yelling at this 8-year-old kid and this white woman's like he was threatening me um he like he like he like and then this guy's like um how did an 8-year-old kid like threaten you and she's like mm. um he was like he went past me really really quick like so many times and he like could have run into me and and this guy is just like um what are you talking about like this is our community this is where our kids play and mm. how how can you be mad that an eight-year-old kid is doing this like just cycling let, like, past you that's literally all it is literally all you have to do is like step to the side it's like okay yeah kids can sometimes be annoying but like that's no reason to start yelling at someone else's child like also who- i highly doubt that she'd um yell at a dog or a dog owner if the dog had zoomies and was just like running past them running past her all the time but because it's a black child she's like oh my god threatening it's threatening to me. Yeah. Like, literally the fact that she used that word is pretty telling of how she views black people. Yeah. Um, and then she was like, and then she was like, oh, I'm sorry that I have moved into your community. I'm sorry that I spend money here and that I support your community by injecting money into it. And oh this guy was like, um, we didn't ask you to do this. You guys are identifiers <laughs> and you have turned up here and... This is, and now you're claiming that you're doing good, and then the the clip sort of ends there. But there's a lot to unpack in this. I think we should start with how she called um, an eight year old threatening just because of um, the fact that they were cycling past them. And I think the problem is, like, a lot of people might not see that as an an issue, but then when you think like that little boy is going to grow up and that woman is going to keep doing what she's doing and like who who, what's to say the next person next black person she runs into isn't eight they're like 16 or 20 something or 13 she calls them threatening and this time she says she calls the police or something and it will will turn into a situation like that woman who called the police on the bird watcher and said he was like attacking her attacking her oh and the way um, that she like used the tone in her voice to sound like she was actually under like in a stressful god like it was crazy how she did that he's aggressive yeah um and um so yeah that that's how that can like very easily turn into something a lot worse and um 
I think it's I think it's just a problem. It's probably like a whole different podcast, but <laughs> a podcast episode. But I think it is a problem that people their often immediate go to is to say that they felt threatened by someone who's not doing anything threatening at all. Yeah, and I think the the key thing here is the white woman fragility, um, mm. because you know there is this. Um, element of like oh I'm a delicate white woman and therefore like anything that's threatening to me like I should be able to call out right but how how is an eight-year-old kid in their own community just playing a threat to you and like you said like that that grows up they'll grow up and maybe experience more sinister experiences Mm. Um, but it is the white woman fragility that I think that that also allows her to say things like, oh my God, I'm so sorry that like I'm helping you, that I'm spreading I'm love, happy. laughter, like live. What is, what is the saying? Live, love, laugh. Yes. <laughs> she definitely has that poster in her flat. <laughs> <laughs> or tattooed. Oh God! <laughs> um, but yeah, that she felt that she could uh, like cry wolf just because she lived in the community and she like she spends her money there. But yeah, like no one asked you to go there. <laughs> this, is, this is it, and even if like yeah, great that you've moved into this into this community and you're happy there, but that you just need to to not be such a poo head yeah but I think also because you're moving into this community you think that you're entitled to it right that you're a part of it but you you don't necessarily you're not going there acknowledging the history you're not going there acknowledging Mm -hmm. the cultures that already exist you're just arriving there and saying hey I'm here respect me because I'm giving you money this is mine now yeah and that ties in again with the white savior complex because you're saying that I'm providing, like I'm providing you with all of these resources. Therefore, your ways of existence almost don't matter. Previous to me having arrived here, mm. which um is pretty weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, and a beautiful definition of colonialism. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's like colonialism. There's like neo-colonialism, which is like obviously gentrification and expatriation. So when people who are expats like move to different countries and they're like mm, okay we're setting up our own like british community here and we're just kind of completely ignore the way that like for example the spanish live and we're we're gonna like make our own rules and live by our own cultural standards mm. and you're They've just got like, one of those in one of those british communities in where is it dubai I've heard that people like when people are like oh I'm moving to dubai I'm like really and then they're like no 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 like to the to like the british part I was like, what do you mean the British part? Yeah. I was like, how have you created a whole a whole community that can now be recognized as like the British part in a country that's very much not British? Yeah. And whatever. Let's just uh, not talk about the fact that people love to say that uh immigrants coming to this country don't like to integrate. Um but it's okay when expats do it. <clears throat> so, oh also another point on that. Um um the words the wording that people use for each other we are seriously digressing we are digressing but but Um, (laughs) how people coming to this country from other countries they're called immigrants but when british people move to other countries like spain 
Dubai and whatever, they call themselves expats. Mm-hmm. And it's like a nicer word to refer to them. They will never call themselves immigrants because immigrant is now considered a, a dirty word associated with, um, yeah, illegal immigration, I guess. Black and brown people. But, so they, they'll, they're, sorry? Just like black and brown people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Truly. Um, so they're like, no, 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 I'm not an immigrant, I'm an expat. Okay, major digression. Yeah. Anyways, let's go back to white saviorism. Have you have you sort of experienced um, either through school or some of your old friends or whatever? Ha- have any of them sort of done things that you've sort of had a hard time, like saying, "I, I think this is a bit of a white saviorism complex you've got going on, sir." Mm. Um, yeah, a lot of that happened at school, but I think at the time, well, I didn't know the word white saviorism I didn't know it was a a thing it was just it was one of those things it was a feeling you know you're like "Mm, this doesn't feel as charitable as I think they want it to come across yeah or they want it to be or that it doesn't feel as charitable as I think they think it is but there's I didn't have the vocabulary to express express that but yeah there were definitely um not even just not even just my school, but like even just people our age, I'd say they were often going on trips to um, Africa again in inverted commas to, um, you know, teach the children English or to build a school or to dig a well. And um, they do that for maybe a week and then the next two weeks they're on holiday or so, so something. Yeah. Um, and um yeah, often it just didn't feel, even now it's hard to pinpoint why it felt so wrong, so wrong when it should in essence be something so charitable and helpful and people helping each other. But um, but yeah, there were definitely lots of, lots of trips like that. We had something like that at boarding school as well. And it was actually like an annual trip that was planned and it was called the Ghana trip. Um and every year people would like sign up for this thing um, and you would go and you would spend like two weeks to help build a school in rural Ghana. But it was always, it was just really weird because I just, and obviously like I was living, like, okay, I was at boarding school, but my family were still like living in Africa and I was still like, like I would still like travel back to the African continent every like end of mm. term and whatever. So I just thought it was a bit weird that this is something that the school did. Um, and, and it was, it was almost like now looking back, I'm like, okay, these people were really teaching. You're, you're being taught how to be a white savior. Mm. You're, you're start, start them young. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and it was just really weird because like, like you said, there was like this fundraising element and, and actually <laughs> we could have just raised funds and sent it to these communities directly or yeah we could have done community based um charitable work in our town which yes. had a lot of like working class people that probably could have used extra resource from all of these super rich kids at a boarding school do you know what i mean mhm um very much so so it was really weird and i think you can unlearn this kind of behavior because we're being taught it yeah and also it's not to say that 
everyone who goes and does, um, you know, charitable work in um, developing countries or countries that need aid and etc. is bad or a, a white saviour. But you, as we said at the beginning, you really have to recognise why it is you feel that you need to go to that country to help. Like, what is it that you're offering? Because this is what I was talking to. Um, I was talking about talking to my housemate about this recently. It's like if you're if you're going to offer like a particular skill set, like you're a trained doctor and you wanna you wanna go and give aid to like some hospitals or whatever, and like a niche specialism, or you're a qualified teacher, you're gonna go and like teach some lessons for like a, an extended period of time, stuff like that. And you're like, yeah, great, but like, are you a builder? Mm-hmm. Are you a carpenter? No. So like, why do you think that you're and often like there were there are often so many stories about how these places that had volunteers come in and build the schools they then have to be rebuilt because they were built so badly in the first place yeah because they're built by people who did not have the skill set to build to build to do construction so um so yeah i think the the point we're trying to make is to yeah recognize why it is that you feel you are you specifically are needed in all these countries often that you've never been to you have no connection to like what has drawn you to feel that you're you are needed over there when you very much could your skill set whatever it may be could very much be needed in your own community mm-hmm. or in your own country there is um there's poverty here there's star- starvation here there's people who need money there are schools that need to be built here you know there's um all sorts of things like i don't know after school activities centers that would need people who could teach languages or whatever here so why do you feel that you need to get on a plane and go far 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 away and take that yeah take that over there when you could use it here yeah like there is a very effective way that you can do foreign aid but exercising your ability to just be present in whatever space you th- you think that you have access to is is a very extremely um privileged thing to do and i think there's a there's a prime example of people who have done things with no qualifications i mean like yeah okay teaching english is i guess minor example because at least you can speak english but there is this yeah, one case fine. that um no white saviors has been working on for years and it's the Rene Bach case and it was this Mm. woman from somewhere in the States and she traveled to Uganda. She traveled to Jinja, Uganda. Um, and she, um, with no qualifications, I think she was like 19 at the time. Yeah. She like literally just got out of school, travels to Uganda for this trip. And she went with like this church group and then she was from the U S yeah. So she like is like super, I think she was also from like the Midwest, so like fairly a religious conservative background and Mm -hmm. travels with this church group to Uganda. I think she's going to go and do like missionary work. And then she sets up like a healthcare clinic called Serving His Children, where she acted as like a medical director. And she was like, there are loads and loads of pictures and videos of her like literally treating children. Um, and so she sets up this clinic with like no medical training, no medical background, no understanding of how to run a business, how to run a uh, a clinic. And she like literally is like treating children and like of course people died. Yeah. 
because she had no medical training. It's not like she'd set up like a first aid, so to clarify, it's not like she'd set up like some first aid thing where she was doing like putting plasters on people and like, you know, cleaning, I don't know, a wound. Maybe you like fell over, scratch yourself, you need a plaster. It wasn't like that. She was like doing surgery. She was sitting in on um, like actual surgery. She was treating, there was a one point she was treating children for like malnutrition, but they weren't treat. they, again, they did not have medical training, so they weren't treating the children properly. And instead, like children with malnutrition would come in and they'd like stuff them with loads of food and be like, there you are, like healed. And these children would then die because that's not how you treat malnutrition. malnutrition. You don't go from eating nothing to here's a full meal of like pure carbs and like expect the body to like know what to do with it at that point. And so there were people, yeah, people dying. And they were, and she set up multiple of these um, medical centers around the the area and the country and lot yeah lots of people lots of children died it was actually really 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 sad and it's it's dangerous the savior complex you know yeah this is oh and it's important to note that she's not been prosecuted or oh yeah anything she just she went back to the u.s and she's still there chilling i think she got married recently just living her best life um so that's some one of the biggest cases that no white saviors are trying to um fight um to make sure that she is held responsible for her her actions i think they've got to the point now where she can't actually go back to uganda at all and i think because if she goes back she will be arrested yeah um and serving his children has completely shut down that clinic yes um they've shut down but she still needs to be held accountable and that's a problem is she won't be but it's the fact that she felt that she could go to another country and provide aid, inverted commas, to people who were supposedly in need when actually with no quali- no prior qualifications at all. Yeah. None of the people in the clinic had qualifications, I don't think, as well. Or maybe some had a few, but there were no like qualified doctors or anything like that mm-hmm. that I recall. And there was another case that was, um, there was this, I think he was like an elderly man and he like set up this clinic for like young girls like yeah like teenage girls and um he ended up like obviously like exploiting them and stuff and like grooming them and it was just like it was really weird so like a lot of the time white saviorism isn't just like oh you you went to build a well and somewhere and then you posted a picture with a black baby like or a brown baby and you think that's fun and games like it's actually it can actually be like extremely dangerous and very damaging and that's the problem that's where it starts though yeah because people, that's that's how it begins. Like your innocent picture on Instagram, like oh yeah, I did this, then leads to people being like, oh, if she did that, then I can go do this. Like there was another example of two again white men who I think they're from the US, and they decided to um, build classic. They decided to decided to build a city in. Oh, I want to say Nigeria, but it might have been Ghana. Um, um, they decided they were just going to build a city in one of those countries. They were like, you know what? And they had, again, without it goes without saying, but they had no prior qualifications in city planning, surveying, construction, like anything like that. They'd never been to the country they were planning to build this city in. They just looked on a map and they were like, mm, you know what? I feel Actually, they did. They, they said they, they did like a Russian roulette sort of thing, like threw a dart at a map and they were like, 
we're going to build a city there. They definitely need our money and stuff. But again, I don't think they even had money. They didn't have any money. They, they had to like they raise didn't funds. have any they money. They literally like, had they no like, funds for their for even their plane tickets. Like, how the hell are you going to go? And they literally they boasted about this. And I remember reading this article. They were like boasting about it, and they were like, "Oh my god, we had no money, and we just arrived, and like all of these people treated us like diplomats." and stuff yes, and they were like so uh, yes, they had, happy to, they bought one way tickets yeah to the the country it's really going to annoy me that I can't remember which country it was but they bought one way tickets and that's all the money they had and they were doing like their vlogging and all of this and they were like posting pictures of um looking around the city that they were going to build and stuff and I was like but if you have no money how are you going to build this city it's crazy and if you have no skills like what are you and again it was just the assumption that they'd get the resources from that country so they'd go in with no skill set no plan and just be like oh we'll just take your resources that you have and your money and we will build something for you that you could probably do yourself and something you don't need they didn't even again they didn't even ask and this leads us to another point they didn't even ask if that was what was required they just assumed and for them, it was just an experiment. Mm. You know, they were talking about this like, oh, we just want—we're just young boys. We just want to have fun. We just want to—we yeah. tr- just want to like take risks and grow and like develop as human beings. And mm. and your experiment to see how you can grow as a human being is to like what drain other countries' resources. Like, yeah, <laughs> like is that lives. is that your idea of <laughs> yeah, like literally. just being? In my 20s. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Literally. I don't get it. <laughs> it's wild. And the fact that they feel that they can, like, that's the problem. The fact that they feel like they have, they automatically have access to their, um, to this resource or these people's lives. And that's why when a lot of people are like, oh, I just didn't realise that what I was doing was like white saviorism quote unquote um you 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 definitely do there must be an element of i feel like i am entitled to this space because you wouldn't there's a reason that you didn't try and build that city in your own right your own home like why didn't because you know people would literally just be like piss off like <laughs> what do you mean you're gonna try and build a city um with no qualifications and so 300 you dollars know you- to your name <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> literally. So they they know that they um that they have some sort of advantage, I guess, that they can they can try and pull on, or some sort of um, what's the word? Oh, it's gone. Yeah, like they know that they have the white privilege and like privilege. Thank you. Coming from like a <laughs> developed nation, obviously, quote yeah. unquote, developed. What it yeah developed, um. But yeah, and it even extends into like adoption. I mean, yes. the adoption things are crazy to me. Remember we watched that video of that like YouTube couple? Oh, don't even get me started. But do. <laughs> <laughs> so it was this couple um, and they wanted to adopt this kid. By the way, they're like YouTube bloggers. So they were like blogging about how amazing they're being and like choosing to go the adoption route as opposed to procreation route. And it's like, oh my God, you're so like, well done. Here's a gold sticker. And you're missing a key point as well as the fact that um, 
another thing they played off was was the kid had um, like learning difficulties. Yeah, I was, was going to get there or something. But sorry, I ruined it. <laughs> but um, yes, yeah, so they were like it's... posting about how they're going to do this amazing good thing, and then the kid comes, and then they're like, mm, "We don't want this kid anymore, so we're returning the kid." So they made another YouTube video, and they're like, mm. "Um, it was just so hard. We had to like, we had to like mm, give give the kid back." Um, and they were like, <laughs> obviously it breaks our heart to be rehoming this child. So this child, you did miss points. So this child, okay. this child well also, then, sorry. um, they didn't adopt the child from the US. They adopted the child from an Asian country. Um, and it was an, an Asian, like international adoption agency or something. Um, I'm not sure. I'm sure they did know that he had learning difficulties, but they just didn't realize how hard it would be to raise a child with learning difficulties. That was the problem because that was part of what they played on. They were like, oh, you know, it's, isn't it so great that we're not only adopting this child from China, this poor orphan child, but we're adopting a child with learning difficulties. How great are we? And then they had the child for maybe, it, they were like, they did loads of blogs leading up to the adoption. Child arrived and they did some blogs and then they stopped vlogging the child. And everyone was like, what's happening where's where's your child and then i think it was there was maybe a good month or so so not very long and then they were like we decided to um rehome the child and we were like rehome this child is not a dog like so you have snatched this child out of its his home country with the pretense of being like these great great people yeah. who are doing this very generous thing or we're bringing this child into our lives blah 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 they had their own child as well okay already they already had their own um child or children and then it got too hard so you decided to just give it up you can't do that that's not that's not how adoption works it's not like foster you it's not like you fostered the child you adopted you are his legal parents you don't just it's not like you can just give up Oh, it just made me so angry that they just felt that they could, oh, it's too hard now. So we're going to just give this child back. Yeah. But I think the adoption thing, I think we need to like, it's, it's also another big problem that countries don't often have a lot of protection. So like there'll be loads of adoption Mm. agencies set up in these like uh, Western countries that adopt children from elsewhere, but it's all for profit. Yeah. And there are some horrifying stories of people who have families and have to give up their children because they are obviously live in over exploited countries where there is minimal resource and they're having they think that they're maybe giving their child to somewhere that will take care of them for a couple of years and but they'll still be able to see their child but actually this child then gets adopted by some other family. And so you have these torn apart families Mm. where actually their parents are very much alive and very much missing them. Yeah. Um, And and that's what you were saying about how they, these agencies don't have the right um, laws or restrictions or checks often to see like where this child has come from and like how, yeah no regulation that's the word because like in the most western countries adoption actually takes a very long time because um 
you know, there's just so many checks like they're trying to make sure that you are you will be fit a fit parent or parents for this for this child that's coming into your life, which is why often a lot of people do go through international agencies mm-hmm. because they know the process is quicker um, because they're aware that there are less regulations and less boxes you have to tick or hoops you have to jump through yeah. to get a child. But if anything, that should be a warning sign. Yeah. If you think how long the adoption process takes in your own country and you go to this other agency and it's like, oh, you want a child? Have one. Here's just, here's some money. Next day delivery. That should be such, literally, that should be such, that should be such a warning. (laughs) But that's how they package it, right? And it's so fucked up. Yes. It's so insidious. And we have to talk about like where this comes from. and like this savior complex comes from like colonialism it truly does like people decided that they were gonna europeans decided that they were gonna travel the rest of the world and tell the rest of the world that we are you know they they went and like packaged their version of what civilization means and how to be a civilized Mm -hmm. person and they thought they were doing like these amazingly good things well I don't think they actually thought that they were doing these amazing good things because obviously you were like killing thousands of people and committing Assholes. genocide. But um, they thought them of they called them savages, like in Pocahontas. Yeah, and you're There's like, a whole oh, song we need savages. to we need to teach the savages like how to be how to be civilized how to and how live. to eat with a fork and a knife. And yeah. a lot of the time, that was also done through like a religious route. So you have like missionaries that would come and like mm. spread the word of Christ. And we yeah. still see that happening today. Yes. Yeah. The worst one, or one of the worst ones in my mind, is that guy who, um, this American guy who um, claimed that God was calling him to go to the island that um, basically anyone who goes there, like they try to fly a helicopter over there once and they got shot at by like, bow and arrow um so like really untouched by modern um modern civilization i guess and this guy felt that he had a calling from god to go and teach them the ways of christ um and it's actually the country that's closest to that island are banned like there's a law saying you can't go to that island um but he paid some people some boatmen to take him fishermen yeah some fishermen that was it to take him there um and yeah and he went and um he got he got killed or he never came back and they can't even go and um retrieve his body because um well no one else wants to be shot yeah. and killed the people that lived on that island um so it's it's this island that's just off the coast of india i think it's called the centelese island yes that um, rings a bell yeah so he went there and he like arrived and obviously there are people that live there that just they just have their own civilization they just aren't part of like the quote unquote modern world and so they like yeah. shot him with bone arrow and they like literally left his body like on the beach like we don't care. like this is a warning to yeah. everyone else leave us the fuck alone that was it they literally they left the body there and then the the fisherman got arrested and stuff because obviously it's illegal to to take anyone there but um yeah it's, again it was just the the entitlement of this man 
who felt that these Centralese people were not living the way he felt that they should live. Um, And he used his religion as an excuse to to go over there um, and change their ways. I guess he felt he wanted to be the person that converted the Centralese to Christianity. Yeah. Who's to say that they're not religious? How do we know? Just because we... How do you know? They probably have their own belief system, you know what I mean? Exactly. That's what I mean. Well, how do we know that they don't have their own... um, religion or they don't even they don't have to have one that's the that again that is the the problem that he's he just assumed that they should Mm -hmm. and then there's another example yeah but he also wasn't white and i think that that's also important that non-white people can be white saviors too yes um but what is the other example that you wanted to talk about Wait, was he not no he wasn't maybe there's two people that went then no i'm sure there was a white guy that went probably But no, but this guy that got <laughs> bow and arrow smack daddied, he's not white. Also, I don't know where bow and arrow okay. smack daddied came from, but yeah, I was like, ew. <laughs> um, what was the other example? Oh, um, Trump's oh. spiritual advisor. Oh my god, that video where, he, where she's like, <laughs> what is she? She's Do like it. singing. She's like pounded away, pounded away. <laughs> She's like trying to. She's like, I, I, <laughs> I can't even get it out. What did she say? I call. I call on the African spirits. I call on the African spirits. I call. On, she looks like, shamala, 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 shamala. I call. <laughs> and we were like, oh, you're calling on who now? I'm literally crying. And the African spirits, they came and they made sure that Trump did not win. So, <laughs> so who's the demonic spirit now? <coughs> your butthole. So in your face. You called on the wrong spirits, hun. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's also like perpetuated, yeah, not just through like religion and whatever. Like we also have loads of pop culture that enables this way of thinking. Right? We have these songs like, do they know it's Christmas? Oh. Ew. <laughs> Like so racist so and also just yeah. so like what even anytime is that? it plays now like yeah anytime it plays now Kalechi opened my eyes she pointed out why it was so damaging and it is yes yeah, the it's in the lyrics like do they know it's Christmas time feed the world let them know it's Christmas time like bitch we know it's Christmas like you spread Christianity to- all, all across the world, globe like of course they know it's Christmas like well who the hell do you think you are. I was, where, did, where did Christianity start? <laughs> Literally. And same thing yeah. with like Africa Toto. So I find this really difficult because this song really snaps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but when you look at the lyrics, like I remember listening to it when I was like 19 and like my housemates were playing this song, these songs and I was like, um, what the fuck are these songs? Like, why are they? What the hell are these lyrics? I think it's the lyrics like "I bless the rains down in Africa." Like, you bless them. That one. Oh, you. you yeah. <laughs> you. You do that. Okay. Congratulations. You. And then they talk about like Africa as a monolith when clearly he's like talking about like the Serengeti and Kilimanjaro, and it's like okay, so you're talking about Tanzania, mm. like you're talking about East Africa. What do you? Calm down. You bless the rains. 
I cannot get over it. It just irks me so deeply. You know damn well the lyrics wouldn't work if he said, I bless the rains down in Tanzania. So <laughs> why not? I bless um, the rains down in Tanzania. Like, oh, okay. It could have worked. <laughs> yeah. And like environmental white saviorism is something that's happening at the moment a lot of. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll have. And again, it's important to note the the colonial context of how certain cultures used to exist and used to be in, in harmony with their surroundings or whatever. And then when colonization um, landed upon their shores, they were told that the ways that they lived were incorrect. Um, mm. And and now we're seeing that a lot of the Western countries are finding ways that of, of living, quote-unquote, sustainably. Mm. And a lot of the time it's like actually based on how, you know, all these countries used to function before. Yeah. Prime example is um, in India, we people used to eat off banana leaves instead of plates. And, mm-hmm. um, and then that was obviously like shunned as like a quote-unquote savage thing to do. And now we yeah. see um, like European companies that are like making banana leaf pressed picnic plates or whatever so it's like these like Mm -hmm. ways in which you can like avoid plastic plates when you go out and eat a picnic and it's with banana leaves like coconut bowls and stuff oh yeah oh god like the coconut husk bowls just just drive me nuts but all of this is a form of environmental white saviorism because now you're selling this product and it's also like massively capitalistic because you're selling this thing back to people who Mm. like made this in the first place and you told them that it was wrong and now you're like oh we're here to rescue you from from your from the way you're in which you're currently polluting so much yeah when also the industrial revolution started in europe too let's just not forget that Mm-hmm. Tell us. <laughs> <laughs> so it exists in so many factions that exist in like in in healthcare it exists in adoption, it exists in pop culture, it exists in environmentalism, mm-hmm. it exists in like the corporate world where these people are trying to build cities. Mm. Um, and it's just like you have to really check yourself. So, so how, yeah. how, can, how can you help? Because obviously foreign aid is important, right? So how can you Very. help your community or another community without being a white saviour? Um. I think it's important, I think we've said this a couple of times, but just to reiterate that um, to look within your own communities and see what work can be done, Um, because we're not saying that you shouldn't help, but there are that things that, there are always things that can be done in your own community um, that don't involve you having a holiday (laughs) Mm. at the same time. Like you, it's not like you shouldn't enjoy volunteering but it shouldn't that shouldn't be the sole purpose of why you're doing it you should be doing it because you want to help so look within your own community see what you can do there and then with regards to foreign aid Kavita well yeah you can you can like if you find that there's this one organization that you really want to be able to support 
ask them directly, how can I support you? Mm. Because what you're doing when you're asking people, how can I support you, is you're not removing their agency and you're respecting their boundaries. Yeah. They're going to be able to tell you the most effective way that you can assist that that project, that community, that initiative, whatever it may be. And they'll tell you directly. It's literally just like so simple. Ask and you'll yes. find out. And and Their email addresses are always there. They'll always almost always reply yeah and because they, they want help so if it's and you might find with these um international charities that you could do um your volunteer work in your own country and that would be really helpful like they might be like oh it would be great if you could raise awareness where you are mm-hmm. it might be oh, we need money for this specific projects like over here like maybe you could help us raise money for that you know that sort of thing but as Kavita said asking first is just so so key and the easiest thing that you can do and that goes for the marginalized oh sorry carry on (laughs) I was gonna say is often not not everyone has the ability to give money not everyone Mm -hmm. has the ability to to travel for Mm -hmm. um aid but everyone and not everyone has the time, all the time in the world to give. So that is where asking is, asking comes into it as well, because they could um, help you understand how you could help as well with the time and resources that you that you have. Yeah. And that goes also for the marginalized people in your life. So if you know somebody that, um, you know, and, and we spoke about the different intersects of privilege and... Um, oppression in the first episode so if you know someone in your personal life that is less privileged than you are and you want to be able to help them ask them don't do Mm. things on their behalf and and Mm -hmm. say that like I was just trying to help you and and my intentions were good you know so on a on a organizational scale on a global scale and on a personal intimate scale like don't do don't just like check yourself check your ego and then ask the people who you want to help how you can help them thank you so much for listening to another episode of i saw you like this a big thank you to season for producing all the music on this podcast that's s-e-a-z-n they are a wonderful sibling duo we're making some pretty pretty sick beats so check them out if you can As always, we had a lot of fun recording this, so we hope you enjoyed listening as well. Please give us a follow on our Instagram page. Um, The at is just, I saw you liked this. Um, And there you can DM us, let us know what you thought of the episode, and also tell us if there's anything else you'd like us to talk about. But until then, see you next week, soon, around. Mm